Why Access Matters, a podcast by Accessibrand. Thoughts and talks about accessibility. Accessibility, one word that means so much to so many, the backbone of our podcast. What do you think of when you hear this word? Hello again, everyone. I'm Jolene McDonald from Accessibrand, and I'd like to welcome you to the second season and the sixth episode of our podcast, Why Access Matters. Since June of 2022, Why Access Matters proudly and happily brings you thoughts and talks about accessibility every last Friday of each month, and we invite you to listen to our first season on your favorite podcast platform. All of our episodes are standalone talks, but each of our guests brings their own valuable, unique perspectives and thoughts to the topic, concept, and necessity that is accessibility, and we encourage you to listen to them all. Now that you've thought about what accessibility means to you, let us also ask, what is neurodiversity to you? And does it have any link or connection to accessibility for you? To better understand how important it is to break down barriers and also to address the intersection with neurodiversity, I spoke with Aditya Bikani, the CEO and founder of Advanced Bytes, a company with the mission to ensure all users of the web are included while using your products and services. In this conversation, he spoke as a service provider in the accessibility industry, as well as a neurodivergent person to address many key points about identifying barriers and how to move ahead towards a more accessible world. Why Access Matters, a podcast by Accessibrand. Thoughts and talks about accessibility. Hi, I'm Jolene McDonald, the host of Why Access Matters, and we're back with the season two of the sixth episode of our podcast. And today we're talking with Adi Bakani to hear his thoughts and experiences about accessibility. Welcome, Adi. Hey, thanks, Jolene. Great to be here. So i first like to ask, how would you like to introduce yourself? Um, I'm a, an accessibility consultant in, um, in Toronto, and uh, I am a CEO of an uh, accessibility QA company, as well as a founder of an um, uh, accessibility agency that I have where we make automated tools for accessibility. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Do you want to share the name of your company as well? We can add it in the, the podcast link below. Yes. Yes. It's uh, advancedbytes.com. Advancedbytes with a Z. We'll make sure to share that. So that was our first question. It's leading us to that. Um, how have you brought your lived experience to your work? We know that it's been on sort of two different scales. First, with your company and what you're doing with that work in the accessibility industry. And then talking about what you often talk about, I know on social media, your neurodiversity. Um, how does this feel? And tell us about, you know, each aspect of that sort of combination. Yeah, so um, I'll begin talking about uh, accessibility benefit because that's what I do on, on the day to day. And like I mentioned in the intro, we're a core accessibility QA company for documents and web. And what we do there is what well, we don't work as in-house QA teams do to focus on certain projects to fit bugs or test code. We come in as independent third parties to test for accessibility, to sort of fit, fill the gap in, in case the, you know, uh, the in-house teams don't have bandwidth. But the way things are going now, 
we're slowly seeing a shift into providing independent QA services as well. So when we talk about QA or quality assurance in accessibility, right, we make sure that a software product is as usable as possible for people with disabilities. And we use WCAG or Web Content Accessibility Guidelines success criteria tests to ensure digital products like websites, software, and mobile apps uh, provide the best user experience possible. I, I'm using the term software very loosely here to describe both web and mobile applications, but we cover documents as well. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. I know we've partnered together on a few different projects and your team's been really amazing to work with. Um, tell us a little bit about your personal experience with, uh, you talk about neurodiversity. So if you can share that, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. So I, why I talk about neurodiversity so much is I had an adult diagnosis of ADHD and dyslexia, and that sort of opened my eyes in terms of how I use technology or what I struggled with. So I want to make sure that I use my lived experience to talk about it as much as possible to raise awareness. And when we talk about neurodiversity, it is very, very important to hear from people with lived experiences, uh, just because it, it's a term that people are not familiar with. And it, it's because it's invisible disabilities, right? And because of that, they may shy away from it, but there are so many different forms of it as well that, that are not visible. So the main reason why I talk about it so much is to educate people and raise awareness about the disabilities that we can't see. I think that's one of the hardest things. I also have two invisible disabilities. Sometimes you can see it. Um, it depends on the day because I have chronic pain and fatigue and things like that. But um, I was also diagnosed much later in life with ADHD, actually pretty much in the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, it's always, you always had sort of a stereotype in your mind about that. My son actually was diagnosed pretty much. That's how I found out I had it. He has uh, combined ADHD because they've sort of changed how that is diagnosed and borderline OCD. And I think it's super important for people to really understand the challenges in that and not and really not look at it as detriment, because I think it's a very high percentage of entrepreneurs, especially that have ADHD. And uh, we have special guests because of that. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I fit right into that category. And you know what? I have the combined type of ADHD, too. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. I think it's always important for us to talk about our personal journeys. And I think that's what makes us more passionate about the learning path into accessibility, which kind of leads us into our third question. Why is accessibility essential for our society? And it's not just for people with disability. And you can say specifically related to technology in your case. Great question. So when I get asked this question, I always defer to curb cut effects. It's a great example of what we thought of as inclusive design, where curb cuts were originally added to streets to accommodate those in wheelchairs, but it can be helpful to so many different people. Mm -hmm. A person with, you know, pushing their baby stroller can easily get onto the sidewalk with those cuts in there. Yeah. Somebody, a bike can get onto the sidewalk to lock their bikes up there instead of having to pop a wheelie on there. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure there's a lot 
less problems in the municipalities with accidents because of curb cuts. Right. Absolutely. And uh, there's just many more examples, like seniors may have difficulties stepping up using a walker. Um, but yeah, the, the point is, you know, curb cuts, while originally designed to help those in wheelchairs, come to benefit many. So when we talk about from a web accessibility perspective or technology, as you may uh, refer to that, most of the accessibility features will also have curb cut effect on websites when, when you add, um, when you design and build with accessibility, right? So uh, an example of that could be, uh, say, a text description or an alt text for an image. It, it's, it's for somebody who is blind and it makes it possible also for uh, search engines to index the image and make it more searchable. Uh, text alternative to images can even help somebody with a slow internet connection if they can turn their images off or if the image breaks for any reason and still be able to get the same information. And, um, you know, maybe even for someone who's on a cell phone, they can access the same information as a typical visual browser as well. So virtually every feature that you can put into place in web content will improve access and usability for yeah. everyone. Absolutely. I think that's what a lot of people forget is that accessibility is not just for people with disabilities. When you make, uh, you know, changes and you integrate universal design and inclusive design, it just makes it accessible and inclusive and equitable for everybody. It's not just about the fact that someone might have a wheelchair. Um, you know, it's it's like you said, for people with strollers. And uh, we've talked about one of our team members talks about uh, an outdoor restaurant using, you know, paper that's glossy on a menu, you you shouldn't use that because you know the sun is going to reflect it. So, and, and that person may not have a disability, but you're experiencing that through that disability lens. So when people start opening in their minds to that, um, my hope is that people integrate accessibility as more than what they think it is. It's uh, it's super important. And a lot of people forget about it's not just websites, it's documents, it's emails, it's newsletters, it's all of those things. So thanks for sharing that. Um, I guess that kind of really leads us into our fourth question is what's your message to people who don't know about accessibility and that are afraid of it? Because we talk to a lot of people and they get very uptight about it or their concern. And I know a lot of that probably has to do with fear of, you know, lawsuit, but what would be your message to people who don't know about accessibility and might be, you know, concerned about it? Yeah, they, I think people are afraid of accessibility because they don't know it and they don't understand disability. That's the biggest problem, why people are afraid of it, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. and, and it really begins with how people are uncomfortable when talking about a disability. So they prefer to avoid the conversation. And That's where this, point, yeah, yeah um, where this sort of like differs, I think, from other minority demographics is that, you know, people don't know how to contextualize disability. So they don't want to cause offense and they don't say anything or they don't talk about it. And therefore nothing happens. It's a vicious cycle. It's interesting that you say that because I, I often 
I've had those conversations, even in my old business, when I was trying to start integrating accessibility into, you know, design, it wasn't through Access Brand. And it was like, it was always an add-on, but it wasn't teaching anyone to understand the importance of accessibility. So they just ignored it. It was like, well, we we can't afford that. So we're just not going to do anything rather than taking like the baby steps. Is that something that you recommend to clients? Like, you know, just start with one thing, because that's what we try and talk about is, you know, really making sure that you educate them and get them to start with the little steps. And, you know, you're not going to do it all in a day. It's not all going to happen tomorrow. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the first step is trying to understand the basic range of disabilities. Without that as a base, you will never know what sort of related barriers can be found in maybe say digital content. Mm-hmm. So if anybody was to start, take those first big steps, it really would be to understand the types of disabilities. And, and we know that, you know, not all people with disabilities encounter barriers in digital content. And those types of disabilities may have like different barriers. And it's it's not all the same. Um, somebody in a wheelchair, maybe, right? Mm-hmm. They may not encounter anything that stops them from using digital content. Right. But obviously somebody who's blind will experience it differently than someone with maybe say limited vision, mm-hmm. you know, though it's in that same subgroup. So accessibility and disability are very, very closely related topics. You can't have one without the other. And I would really say that that first step, that starting step would be to understand disability, to understand accessibility. That's, I think those are really great points. Um, I feel it's to get people to understand about disability, especially, you know, I didn't know about disability really until my youngest daughter was born, who I talk about a lot. She has dwarfism. And then little did I know that I would end up you know, facing the issues that I did. But uh, we always talk about too, about everybody in their lives are going to experience disability at some point. Like you could be in a car accident and be temporarily, you know, injured, whether it's in a cast or crutches or wheelchair. Um, You could have an eye injury and you can go temporarily blind for a short amount of time. I actually had that happen in my early twenties and, you know, didn't even think about it at the time. Um, but it totally changed even how I was, I was in school at the time. I couldn't see the ruler properly, you know, for, for graphic design. That was a real issue back then. But, um, I think it's just so important to give those examples to people and, you know, have them try and live in our shoes, so to speak, for any kind of scenarios just to get them to start integrating it. So that's really great points. So I appreciate that insight. Um, referring to our other question about technology, do you think there's any chance of machines to take the place of humans and making things accessible? That's a big topic. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a very broad topic, and I'm going to try and be as unbiased because my business makes automated solutions for accessibility. Yeah. But I want to take as neutral of an approach as possible. But to answer this question, first, we want to understand the state of automation in accessibility in 2023. So as we know, the web content accessibility guidelines are the basis of many accessibility laws. 
So while the WCAG provides guidance for achieving accessibility, many businesses have limited resources, which is why we see them defer audits on their digital content or products. But automated tests are an inexpensive way to you know, find these issues and find ways to address it. So that's the current state. Now, the problem is that most automated tools aren't as intelligent as we want them to be, or any machine learning for that fact, right? Uh, they can't perceive certain types of content and rely on the rule sets that sort of run them from the back end. So when you have issues that are outside of these uh, rule sets, you can have issues that are completely missed out or what we call false positives, where they identify issues that actually don't impact accessibility. Right. Uh, a classic example here is we'll use all text again, because that's easy for anybody who's listening. Um, automated tests and machine learning can determine whether there's all text present or not on a website, but they can't judge if it's actually useful. For example, if you have an image of an orange, but it contains the alternative text as Apple, it's not going to fail it as a, as a violation. It will pass because all it does is checks to see if that tag has been filled or not. So it's not going to report it as an issue, but you know the incorrect alt text could obviously impact the end user. Um, so I would say that tools have substantially improved over the past few years and they're still going to, but they still have their limitations. Mm -hmm. That's why I think we talk a lot about if you're going to use automation and that's why we provide user auditing more than anything is that people with disabilities are actually testing the products. Like, you know, you start with the automated checks. But like you're mentioning that great example about, you know, it's a picture of an orange, but the alt text says an apple. At this point, you're saying machine learning doesn't acknowledge that it's not been created to be smart enough to check that that's wrong. And that's why I think it's also important to bring people with real experience and lived disability experience to come in and check that because often we're challenged with quotes, I think, even to say, oh, yeah, well, we've got this automated thing. It checks everything. I'm like, yeah, but it actually still doesn't replace a real person and what their experience is. Um, you know, I think the combination of the two is probably the most powerful. And it's great to be able to provide jobs as well, right? Yeah, that, that was actually my next point. And uh we follow a combination, a hybrid methodology, which is using automation and a human intervention, right? Mm -hmm. So human judgment will always remain a critical component for accessibility testing in the near future, maybe 10, 15, 20 years. I don't even know, you know how long in the future, but manual audits in any industry, it's not just accessibility, but wherever you're using machine learning, technology, AI, whatever you want to call it, you still need that manual audit and intervention to assent, you know, for ensuring conformance with whatever you're trying to comply with. Yeah. Sure, machine learning will make auditing easier over time, but it's not there yet. That's great. I'm wondering, 
Do you think it'll ever take over for people? I mean, look, if you look at technology, but I mean, I hope it doesn't in many ways, but at the same time, I think all of us in the same industry, we we wish we didn't have to do this as a job because then people would automatically be integrating it and everything would be accessible to everyone. But Never say never. <laughs> oh my God, for sure. Um, I think, you know, the, our last question that we wanted to ask you is what is your advice to other accessibility activists and whoever else wants to support it? Do you have any well, I mean, you post a lot on LinkedIn, especially with some really great articles. What are some of the things that you can think of that you would give to advice? This, um, what I what I would say is I'm not trying to take away from any of the work activists are currently doing, but I do feel there's a lot of shame that goes on when we blame people for not following accessibility. And I don't, I think that's not the right way to approach spreading awareness about accessibility. Nobody's intentionally being exclusive. It's just that they don't know any better, right? So instead of shaming our audience for not using all text or not making their website or content accessible, I think we need to raise awareness by education. And talking about lived experiences, stories, that is what makes the biggest user impact. And I I would really say we need to change the way we are spreading our message in this industry. I think that was really great advice because so often... Uh, it's like with anything in digital world, right? Everyone's a keyboard warrior. They're quick to make judgments. But at the end of the day, when you are shaming someone or putting them on the spot and making them feel bad about it, it's not productive for them to make positive change, which is what accessibility really is. I mean, we've come a long, long way with you know, activist rights for people with disabilities, both in the U.S. and you know, in Canada and beyond. But go out just ripping someone apart, even for us as accessibility, I won't call myself expert because we're all learning accessibility activists, accessibility professionals, whatever you want to call us. We're all still learning. And just like technology, things change every day. We could be doing something one way today and, you know, two months from now, it's completely a different way to do it. So um, I think it's important for us all to work together, number one, and number two, be very positive and encouraging of people and say, hey, you've done a great job on this. You know, here's maybe you could do this next time rather than say, oh, yeah, well, you say you're doing this and you haven't even done this, this and this. It's it's really not productive. And I think we live in a world full of so much negativity, you know, especially in the last few years, is that the more we can be kind and helpful and work together the more we're going to have that positive silver lining. That's my hope anyways. Yeah. You know, um, I, I agree with you. I, I'm always learning as well. That's because I want to be aware of the things I don't know. And accessibility is a vast subject, right? It's, it's not just screen readers and all text. Um, I can only talk to web accessibility because that's what I know. Yeah. But I don't know built environments. You're talking about like kiosks or those automated doors, uh, the right amount of, uh, you know, gap for a wheelchair between aisles and stuff. I don't know, but I I want to learn. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, uh, what I try to do to learn is talk to people with disabilities, understand what they're going through and try to work with them. We've been hiring a lot of people with disabilities as well. Mm -hmm. So to me, working with them every day, I see what barriers they encounter. That's That was a really eye-opening experience for me. So there are a lot of people who work in accessibility, but don't really directly work with people with dis disabilities as well. I think yeah. that's very important, really, um, advice, if you, if you want to call it, that we really should get that hands-on experience working with uh, PWD. Yeah, definitely. I We've encountered a few different situations over the years and and you know even like I've said we are not perfect but we are in a learning environment and we also want to provide opportunities for people with flexible work that have disabilities so we're teaching them um and I've had a couple of very negative emails come and say well you do this or you didn't do that and I'm like okay that's that's great but let's learn from this and think about what kind of opportunities that we're providing and you know how you can learn from that so i think just trying to keep an open mind to it and i often say the same thing as people say well, how do i get started i said just start talking to people start talking to the disability community but that's that's amazing advice adi thank you for sharing all of your insight um is there anything else you'd like to share at all um, you know, uh, something I wanted to mention, I want to work in my dream job is to work in neurodiversity inclusion to get companies and teams to understand about neurodiversity and how to provide accommodations for those with cognitive differences. I'm not there yet, but hopefully I'd like to go there. Um, at this point, I don't do anything in my daily day to day with working with accessibility, QA, and neurodiversity. But I eventually want to get there. So if anybody wants to talk about neurodiversity, you know, I'm always game. That's amazing. I'm hopeful that people will reach out to you. I know there's uh, a big push for the neurodivergent community and, uh, you know, integrating and people understanding it and how to accommodate it rather than, you know, just judge and not take those chances, even with employers or employees. So thanks for sharing that. But we're really excited to have you. And uh, so thank you so much, Adi, for your time. And if anyone would like to get in touch with him, we'll make sure to put his details in our podcast transcript. Thanks again, Adi. Thank you for having me, Jolene. Why Access Matters, a podcast by Accessibrand thoughts and talks about accessibility. Hello again, everyone. I'm Jolene McDonald from Accessibrand, and I want to thank you for listening to the sixth episode of Why Access Matters. You just heard a conversation that I had with Aditya Bikani, the CEO and founder of Advanced Bytes. Please take a moment to reflect and focus on some parts of what he said and answer some questions for yourself. He told us, why I talk about neurodiversity so much is that I had an adult diagnosis of ADHD and dyslexia, and it opened my eyes in terms of how I use technology or what I struggled with. So I want to make sure that I use my lived experience to talk about it as much as possible to raise awareness. Can you remember someone else that has had the same or similar struggles? Have they ever expressed feeling judged because of their struggles? Have you ever had to accommodate someone because of a disability or neurodivergence? 
If yes, please share your story with us. He also told us when we talk about QA or quality assurance and accessibility, we ensure that a software product is as usable as possible for people with disabilities. And we use the WCAG or Web Content Accessibility Guidelines and Success Criteria to test and ensure digital products like websites, software, and mobile apps provide the best experience possible. Have you ever considered having an accessible website and our product with the help and feedback of accessibility experts with disabilities? If you need such services, Accessibrand is more than happy to help with partnerships with different and great companies, including Advanced Bytes, where Addy is providing services. So please get in touch with us. And at last, he talked about shaming is not a good way to make the world more accessible. What do you think about this? Is it a great point? Do you have any experience in this regard? We really appreciate your feedback and your lived experiences. So please share them with us. Send us your thoughts, ideas, and any feedback you have to our email, jolene at accessibrand.com or in the comments on our Apple podcast page in CastBox or under our posts on social media. We love when people connect with us and you can find those in the description boxes of our episodes. Well, we've reached the end. I'm Jolene from Accessibrand. Thanks for your patience and time in listening to me and my colleagues and our special guest, Aditya Bikani, in our first episode of the second season of Why Access Matters, which is our sixth episode to date. The next episode will follow every last Friday of each month. But until then, please send us your thoughts and ideas. Follow our podcast and podcatchers like Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify, or any other platform you listen to podcasts on. Follow our fabulous guests on LinkedIn, and don't forget to introduce us to your friends, family, and network. Please consider checking out our website if you need any accessibility services and would like to utilize the valuable lived experience of persons with disabilities. You can visit our website at www.accessibrand.com. Why Access Matters, a podcast by Accessibrand. Thoughts and talks about accessibility. Why Access Matters, a podcast by Accessibrand. Thoughts and talks about accessibility.